You're a 415er. 415 You're all about your San Francisco 49ers. And this is where you need to be for news, analysis, and, and, and more. And more. Welcome to the 415 hosted by Evan Gidding and Mark Grandy. What's going on, everyone? Welcome into another edition of the 415ers podcast and the Honesty Sports Podcast Network with 95.7 The Game. Coming at you twice a week here in the offseason and a very eventful free agency to start for the 49ers. As always, it is Evan Giddings. It is Mark Grandy. Mark, my man, how are you? I'm doing well, Evan. Just trying to uh, make sure we're not missing anything. As you're right, it has been a busy first few days of free agency. A lot going on, not just for the 49ers, but across the league, of course. I know free agency officially opened Wednesdays when players can put pen to pen to paper. Uh, but by, th- by that point, really all the stars for the most part had been gone. So busy first few days of free agency for sure. How are you? I'm doing well. Yeah. Down here in, uh, in Arizona, checking out go. some baseball. I know that obviously free agency is in the middle of the swing, but so is, uh, the world baseball classic. So I had a chance to check out USA taking down Columbia by a run last night, Michael Nelson trout an absolute Lord carrying USA to victory. <laughs> And uh, that was a fun one to watch for sure. So they'll be moving on. And that was uh, that was a good time. But as we lock back into football, always have our minds on the 49ers, of course. Um, and basically the, the free agency scorecard, if you will, Mark, has a lot of departures for the 49ers. And the question that we, we want to ask first is, you know, like with with these losses, especially defensively, um, you know, kind of how do you view the 49ers? departures versus their additions um do you feel like it outweighs what they lost I'll, I'll i'll let you answer first before i i weigh in well i think right now evan if we were to you know use the cutoff point thursday morning i would say the gains do not outweigh the losses currently but with that said there's still a ton of offseason left and generally free agency tends to work in waves this first wave which we've already experienced as we talked about already generally the higher profile the bigger names go um the niners got javon hargrave that's a fantastic signing you can make a case of all the non-quarterbacks the most sought after free agent out there uh certainly the most sought after defensive line free agent out there so that's a gigantic addition but you also knew for a team in the 49ers position evan they weren't going to go out and sign multiple high-profile free agents. In fact, we weren't even sure they were going to get one. Um, So the fact that they did get one and there's still going to be a lot more movement throughout the rest of the offseason makes me confident that when we do have the, you know, the full sum of this offseason, I I think I'll be able to confidently say the gains outweighed the losses But right now, not so much because there's just so many more guys walking out the door and specifically on the defensive side. You look at the defensive line. Again, the big addition is uh, Javon Hargrave. Also, they did get uh, Cleland Farrell, a former top pick of the Raiders out of Clemson, who was really underperformed. That's a depth piece on the defensive line. But Samson Ebukam is now a Colt. Charles Amenihu is a Chief. Hassan Ridgeway joined D'Amico Ryans with the Texans. There's a number of others who haven't signed yet, but seem very likely to depart. Kerry Hyder, Jordan Willis, uh, Maurice Hurst. Th- there are some others. Uh, you look at the linebacker position. Aziz Shire is now a Titan. It seems unlikely that Demetrius Flanagan Fowles is going to return. 
Of course, at corner or in the defensive backfield, Jimmy Ward's gone. Emmanuel Mosley, he's now a lion. I know I talked a lot about him this offseason as uh, I, I was confident he was coming back, maybe taking a little bit of a discount because of his injury, but he signs a one-year deal with the Lions. So I think for me, there's just too many guys going the other direction right now to say that the the, the few gains have outweighed the, the numerous losses. Um but I do think that you'll see that get more to even and then flip in the Niners' favor as the offseason continues. Yeah, I'm 100% with you. But I also think that that is a byproduct of, of football. And, and I think yeah. it's actually one of the things that makes the NFL great and why we see so much parity is because of the way that the salary cap works and the way that the salary cap forces players who deserve to be paid money um, to have to find greener pastures if they want to get paid. That's that's the way that this works. And when you are associated with the number one defense in the NFL going back even a couple of seasons now, you deserve to get paid based on your contribution to that number one defense. And so those names that you talked about, and if we're looking at Jimmy Ward, we're looking at Aziz Al-Shair, um, we're looking at Emmanuel Mosley, Samson Ebukam, Charles Amenehue, and others. If you total the amount of money that the that the free agents on defense alone made for themselves for the 49ers, you're looking at about $60 million. Now you slice it different ways. Obviously, Ebucom got, you know, three years, 27 million from the Colts, Amenahue, two years, 16 million from the Chiefs. They're, those are kind of the breadwinners. But all of those guys, including even some of the backup defensive linemen that got paid by other teams in smaller deals, deserve to be paid. And this is what happens when guys perform and when you succeed and when you make successive NFC championship games on the backs of that defense, those guys are eventually going to leave. And so even though the gain of Javon Hargrave, which is an immense gain, does not outweigh the losses of all those little pieces, to me, that's why the NFL works the way that it does. And one of the reasons why... You know, I, I give the 49ers credit for having done this multiple times and why they all, I also expect them to be able to replenish that depth, and, and which we're going to talk about in a little bit. Um, but the 49ers free agents did very well for themselves on defense, and they deserve it. They deserve to get paid. Yeah, no, you're right. And it's, you know, all these guys walking out, maybe they were expecting to have Emmanuel Mosley back and, and discussions broke down. I don't know exactly how that went down, but it's not as if, um, they just let them go out. That's a really important position. They don't have a lot of depth at, and they're just going to say, all right, we'll deal with it in the draft. We don't have a top, you know, 100 pick, uh, and we're going to rely on our rookie cornerback. They didn't do that either. They did go out earlier this week on Wednesday and snag quarterback Isaiah Oliver, former Atlanta Falcon, who, when he's played, has, you know, been pretty effective. But the big if, and stop me if you've heard this before, he has torn an ACL in his career. He he played only about half of last season because he was recovering from a torn ACL in 2021. Uh, we'll see if he can stay healthy. If he does stay healthy, he seems, at least in my opinion, Evan, primed for the slot corner spot. That's where he's had the most success. That might push Diamador Lenore out to the, the starting corner opposite uh, Mooney Ward. We'll see how that does work out throughout the offseason. That would be my read on the situation. Um, but again, it's not as if you have to kind of pick and choose what areas deserve, you know, the resources because you can't go out and get everyone you want in every position. We talked last episode, the Niners prioritizing defensive line over offensive line. 
Um, a, a, an area of weakness right now is the offensive line. We can talk more about where the Niners need to address next, whether it's in free agency or in the draft, because there are still some holes on the roster, uh, but they aren't ignoring the losses either. If, if you keep an eye on the, the guys that they are adding, it's generally in the spots where they're losing guys, which, I mean, it, it makes sense. If you're not doing it that way, you're doing it wrong. But I think it is worth saying that they're not ignoring the guys that are leaving and they are trying to, to fill those holes with some new guys. And the model for the 49ers, for the most part, you can ignore the Javon Hargrave signing, uh, but the model for the most part has been only pay someone, you know, max money, really good money, if you're confident that they deserve it and they will perform up to that. The Niners haven't had a ton of really bad contracts. Uh, and I, I think you have to credit them for that. Now, D Ford is a bad one. Not paying uh, DeForest Buckner was a mistake. Certainly, there are a handful of examples, but it seems to be suppressed a little bit as compared to other teams. So the Niners generally handle these things well. It's just a matter of now, can they find value for lesser money throughout the rest of the offseason? Can they dive into that bargain bin and identify who uh, is worthy of a contract from them and who maybe can outperform their money, their salary? That That's going to be the challenge the rest of the offseason because there isn't just a, a ton of space left for them to fit more big contracts. No, and maybe that's where kind of the penny-pinching hurt them when it comes to a player like Emmanuel Mosley, because on surface, you look at one year, $6 million. It doesn't seem like that much, but when you then start to crunch the numbers of where you put money in this off season, more money, you're going to have to pay to Nick Bosa later this off season. And where that cap is sort of um, getting suppressed and crunched. Like, I I mean, I guess maybe maybe it's a situation where the 49ers couldn't go above four or didn't want to go above three. I'm, I'm not sure, but Isaiah Oliver appears to be, um, not not a, a similar mold, but a guy with an injury history that is going to be more affordable and that you can feel at least more confident in. Um, but I, I was a little surprised that Mosley specifically was not coming back. And and who knows, maybe the Lions might have overpaid a little bit, uh, but the 49ers are going to have to figure out that that position because, you know, kind of like you mentioned, Mark, there are some holes still in this team, um, which, which, we'll, which we'll get to in a sec. But what like what do you think? kind of broke down there with that specifically and was, was there any other um i guess free agents that left that sort of surprised you um i i'm a little surprised of all the depth that left on the defensive line um i i get and you made this point and i think it's the right point you know you have this much success as a defense uh you're going to be valued across the league um, now maybe the Niners could can make the case, Hey, the success of Hassan Ridgeway, just, just an example, nothing against Hassan. Maybe the Niners feel the success of Hassan Ridgeway. Uh, certainly he deserves some credit, but Hey, maybe Nick Posa has a hand in that success. Maybe the scheme, maybe D'Amico Ryans has a hand in that success. And the Niners just simply didn't value those guys as much as other teams were willing to value them. Um, the other portion of free agency that maybe doesn't get um, a, a ton of discussion, Evan, isn't just, uh, you know, how much talent does this player have and how much money do they deserve? Uh, but it's how desperate is a team at that position? Um, and there are a, a bunch more other teams out there, I would argue, that are more desperate than the 49ers at the defensive line spot. They certainly need depth and they need to address that as the offseason goes along. 
but uh, when you do have a team that is a little more desperate to add some pieces there, you're willing to, to, you know, hand over a bit more money. And, and maybe that, that was just enough to, to keep the Ford and enters away from those guys. Um, and again, I, I don't have a ton of a re- ton of a reason at this point to, to disagree with them there, but I, I was a little shocked just at the number of guys on their way out. Again, Ebukam, Omenihue, Ridgeway, there are others. Now, with that said, Evan, I mean, all of those guys, the Niners identified uh, not out of nowhere entirely, uh, but they were really under the radar acquisitions in the first place. You remember Omenihue was a midseason trade from the Houston Texans. I believe it was, what, a, a fifth-round pick that that acquired Omenihue? Uh, Samson Ebukam was a free agent signing from the Rams a couple of years ago who no one really, you know, batted an eye at. So while it is unfortunate to see some of these guys leave, uh, perhaps we'll see the Niners make similar acquisitions. And in a couple of years, we'll see those guys leave again after they had successful tenures with the 49ers for a short period of time. So I think the Niners have have deserved the right for us to reserve judgment until we see what this team look, looks like at the end of the offseason as you get ready for training camp. Because at that point, if there are still these holes on the roster, then it becomes a problem. Yeah, and and one thing you touched on earlier was the fact that someone like Nick Bosa or Fred Warner or maybe even Talano Hufanga can make members of the defensive line, linebacking core, secondary, look Mm. a lot more lucrative than they are. Well, of course, the flip side of that is they can also elevate their teammates that they receive. So, you know, it's like you mentioned, Samson Ebukam a couple of years ago was not, not a $27 million player that he is now for the Indianapolis, Indianapolis Colts. The other part of it, too, is, is I do think kind of because of the 49ers success at the coaching level, as well as the front office level, we're seeing players be acquired by former members of the 49ers and not just in yeah. Houston with you know, D'Amico Ryan's becoming their new head coach, but Rand Carthen in Tennessee plucking a couple guys defensively who I'm sure he has previous relationships with. So, you know, you're, you're spreading yourself out on, of course, the free agency market, but also at a at a secondary level, at a higher level. Um, guys want to continue to be associated with dudes that have gotten them success in the past, and they're willing to pay for that a little bit. So I, I think that's another reason why we see the 49ers being spread out and why the the gains don't necessarily outweigh the losses. No, I'm with you. And the other thing, in addition to you talked about this earlier, the having a great defense that makes your players more attractive, uh, a, a, a coach like Kyle Shanahan, who's developing a little bit of a tree, uh, your players are thereby going to be more attractive as well because you have more coaches out there. And this is the point you're getting at. You have more coaches out there that like you and that know your system and that trust, you know, the the players that you're putting out there on the field. And I think the longer that Kyle Shanahan has success, of course, you would think the more coaches out there on other teams or more front office members on other teams have ties to Lynch Shanahan and the 49ers. And, and, and that makes, you know, their web even larger. So perhaps this is an issue or a a thing the Niners will have to, to deal with more and more in the future. Um, but it, it generally is maybe not a good problem to have, but it at least shows that, that you're running things right on your end. If you have a lot of other people out there. 
This is the 415ers podcast brought to you by the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network 95.7 The Game. It's Mark Grandy. You can follow him on social at Mark Grandy, Mark with a C, Grandy with an I. I'm Evan Giddings. You can follow me on social at egiddings10. Please download, rate, subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. Okay, Mark. Well, well, looking at the kind of the next step of this is sort of the the holes for the 49ers and, and sort of the the things that they need to address at this point. And and to me, there are three areas of need that are not necessarily insignificant, but will go from biggest to smallest, in my opinion. Uh, number one, right tackle. Mike McGlinchey yeah. left a massive hole that I think Colton McKivitz is going to be the guy to fill. Uh, but I would love to see them either through the draft and they have 11 picks in this upcoming draft or but potentially getting a backup lineman on the cheap to be able to address that hole specifically that Mike McGlinchey left. Um, I also think defensive end at this point right now up in the air and who knows, maybe Drake Jackson gets the other spot opposite Nick Bosa. Maybe you move Eric Armstead from the interior back to the outside to his sort of natural position from before. Uh, we will see, but I think that there is a little bit of a hole there. And then uh, to me, the nickelback position, kind of that that third corner spot as left by, you know, Emmanuel Mosley's departure. Now you mentioned D'Amador Lenore might have to move back to the outside. That leaves a, a third corner spot to me open at this point. I think they'll be able to find a secondary corner much easier perhaps than finding a guy who can play in the slot and maybe also uh, move up outside the box. So to me, those are the three kind of holes that I see for the 49ers. I'm 100% with you at right tackle. I think that's the biggest area of need, and it's not particularly close for me. I get the sense Colton McKivitz will be the week one starter. I know you just said that. I agree with you. Um, they have some depth on the interior of the offensive line, Evan. Um, you know, the, the starters on the interior, it seems like will be the same as last year from left to right, uh, left guard, center, and uh, and then right guard, Aaron Banks, Jake Brendel, and Spencer Burford. Brendel was re-signed, so he's going to be back. I would imagine he'll be the starting center once again. Banks and Burford, both young on rookie contracts. I would be shocked if they're not starters. Uh, only thing that would put that in jeopardy to me would, would be health. Um, behind those guys, I mean, Jalen Moore, Jason Poe, th there are a few others as well some young guys that haven't done enough yet to earn some time. Um, but they certainly need depth at the tackle position because there's not a lot behind Colton McKivitz. And I, and I'm pretty sure there's a lot of Niner fans out there who aren't too thrilled with the idea of Colton McKivitz being a starter at right tackle. Think back two seasons ago uh, when, uh, when Trent Williams went down with the injury and, and he missed some games late in the year and, and had to come out of that NFC title game against the Rams uh, Colton McKivitz came in, there were injuries to Mike McGlinchey, uh, as well. He saw, he saw some run there. So he, it's not like we haven't seen him on the field before it, it hasn't been fantastic, um, but it hasn't been bad either. So it's certainly an option, but we will see what they do there. I'm with you on the other areas of needs. There is one that does stick out and it is, I don't know, something you can, you can kind of brush off perhaps. But they don't have a kicker on roster right now, Evan. <laughs> they got to figure that out. I, we talked a, a little bit about it. I don't know if it was last week or two weeks ago. Uh, kind of the the back and forth between John Lynch and Robbie Gold. Maybe it's just negotiations on both sides. Not sure. Regardless of what it is, they either have to agree to terms with Robbie Gold or they have to find someone else. Uh, and the kicking market is kind of a strange market in free agency. 
Maybe they go out and get someone in the draft, but are you comfortable having a, a rookie kicker potentially trying to kick a game-winning field goal for you in a playoff game? I don't know. Uh, that's going to be uh, an area they have to address in free agency or in the draft. Maybe it's not Robbie Gold. Maybe he's out of their price range. Uh, we will see. But I would add that position uh, to the ones you listed. Yeah, no, I look, hey, that's one that kind of goes under the radar, uh, which I honestly didn't think too much about, but you're absolutely right. Look, yeah, I, I think that that's kind of what Robbie Gold has has done in a way is like desensitized yeah. myself personally to the kicking position and not having thought about it just because you can pencil in and pencil in 90% of kicks and pretty much automatic inside of 40, uh, especially in the playoffs. But, I mean, guys right now that, that are on the market, um, Brent Maher is a name that comes up. I know he became a little infamous down the stretch of the season for not being able to hit an extra point, but was actually pretty good. If you look at his entire season, uh, Matt Prater, I mean, Greg Zerline, Mason Crosby, Randy Bullock. Like, I, I, I don't know if these are, are names of guys that they're legitimately considering or if Robbie Gold is playing possum. I, I think that Gold is a guy that is trying to maximize whatever's left in his career and is trying to get as much money as possible. And I don't know if the 49ers are going to be willing to pay, you know, a little, maybe it's an extra $2 million a year for a kicker. I, I think they should. But if you decide when you start cutting things down that, you know, we need to put this money here in the, in the, the second corner spot, or we need to put this money in a backup offensive lineman. Like, I, I guess if you had to choose between a kicker and a backup tackle, I, I don't know how they'd slice that, but I feel like Robbie Gold is going to be very much missed if he's not on this team. I do know that. You're right. Uh, something that I think is worth mentioning, Robbie Gold has made it known his goal is to make the Hall of Fame. Um, and it's difficult to make the Hall of Fame as a kicker. How do you do it as a kicker? You have to make game-winning kicks in playoff games, not, not necessarily game-winning, but huge kicks in playoff games and in the Super Bowl. So I think something that's front of mind for Robbie Gold is I need to go somewhere that has a chance to win a Super Bowl. I'm not necessarily saying that that only limits his choices to the 49ers, but I think it severely limits where he feels like he should go. And the Niners are still on that list. So his comments, you know, around the combine after John Lynch, you know, said, yeah, we're looking at the, the kicker market. And he was like, yeah, I expect to be kicking elsewhere. Uh, I don't think he's set on leaving the 49ers. I think it is negotiation tactics. I think he would love to be back with the 49ers if the money was right. That is the question. You're right on it. It's, it's a question of where do they want to put the little money that they have left? Do they want to use it on a solid kicker who is 40 years old now? Do they want to use it on a backup tackle? Who knows? But I will say I, I, I do not think Robbie Gold is sold on – you know, going elsewhere. I, I think it's still totally up in the air and we will find out. Um, but yes, you're right. The, the money is, is the question here. There's, there's really nothing else for the 49ers to consider at this point, other than how much they want to pay Robbie gold. And then if, if there is uh, a, a disagreement there, then they go solve it elsewhere. But I, I think that they're hard pressed to maybe figure this out with Robbie gold first. Yeah. And I think the kicking position as, crazy as it sounds it's like it's less addressable with the draft than any of the other three positions that we talked about so whether it's right tackle or you know offensive line dbs potentially even a safety um you know or the the defensive line the defensive end spot 
all of those positions are, I guess, a little more easily replenishable through the draft. And especially with the kind of help you have at all of those spots on the other side, I know we're, we're pretty much talking about secondary positions opposite the number one outside of right tackle. And <laughs> even though Colton McKivitz is, is someone that I don't necessarily trust, um, I, I do think that the 49ers will, will find a way to figure it out. I mean, they, they have generally in the offensive line and, and maybe they draft kind of uh, like a, a tackle and waiting. I know they have like 17 third round picks. It feels like. Um, <laughs> and so you might be able to find a good offensive lineman. There might be able to use some of your draft picks to trade up into the second round, or maybe even further. If you really want to stretch and try and reach for an offensive lineman that can help you out. Uh, but I'm with you that that the kicker is is something you can't really replace as easily, um, and so I'll be interested to see what they do in the draft, which is you know kind of kind of approaching as we felt like after the season, for agency felt like it was far off, and here we are, and now the draft is you know coming up, and it feels far off, but it'll be here before you know it, and the 49ers will have some decisions to make. Yeah, I think maybe the other uh, under the radar position other under the radar acquisition for the 49ers is the third tight end. They only have two tight ends on the roster right now, Kittle and Warner, uh, Tyler Croft, Ross Dwelly are free agents. Doesn't mean they're not coming back. Uh, one of them potentially, I don't know. Uh, but Kittle and Warner are the only two guys under contract for next season. And the Niners, they run a lot of two tight end sets. They need three tight ends that they trust to block at the very least, not necessarily great pass catchers, of course, Kittle is the outlier there. He's fantastic at everything. But Charlie Warner and whoever the third tight end is, uh, they they got to be solid, you know, in the run game uh, and protecting the quarterback, you know, at times as well. So that's that's also one spot to keep an eye on because the Niners, I guarantee you, will not go into the season with only two tight ends. They need a third, probably need another on the practice squad. Uh, we'll see who they do get. To do that, that could be through the draft as well, or, or it could be a, a relative unknown later in, in the free agency period. But uh, we'll see on that one as well. Yeah, there's also like I think there's some free agency mentioned Dwelly and Croft of guys that are available that could potentially be brought back. There are some other four ers free agents that that are still available that they might be able to bring back, which could help with that. And I'll look in at the defensive line and, and I don't know if it's Jordan Willis, who's a defensive end that could help out, who would. You know, was all right in certain spots this year. Kerry Hyder Jr., um, you know, at the DB spot. I don't know if they'd be willing to take a flyer again on Jason Verrett. Uh, but but Dante Johnson is a free agent at this point. Um, I don't know how they feel about Ambry Thomas. You know, it, it's like they, there are, I guess, guys from their own pool they could try and bring back. Um, and, and a few of them, I, I think they will. I wouldn't be surprised if one of those tight ends you mentioned was back on the roster next year. Um, even though people don't like Tyler Croft because of the NFC Championship game, I wouldn't be surprised to see him resign. Um, so, so we'll see, Mark. It's it's interesting for sure. Yeah, I'm with you uh, about. Uh, oh, Dante Johnson is the name that you came you brought up. I would not be shocked if he somehow finds his way back to the Niners because I feel like he has been signed and released and signed and let go <laughs> and signed like 50 times by the 49ers in his career. Uh, he's the guy that they just can't quite get rid of. They they feel like they they got their defensive back room good enough to where they they don't need Dante Johnson, and then a bunch of injuries happen, and then guess who's back? Dante Johnson. So I would not be shocked if he finds his way uh, to another contract with the 49ers. 
This is the 415ers podcast brought to you as always by the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network. Please download, rate, subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. Five stars appreciated. Uh, thanks for all the support as we move through the offseason, through our free agency week. Of course, we'll have episodes coming to you twice a week throughout the offseason. Look out for some emergency pods if the 49ers do make a big move as we approach the upcoming NFL draft. Okay, Mark, well, with all of these, you know, kind of issues that we're tossing around or I guess holes and, and areas of need. Um, you know, looking at the 49ers depth, like that is now kind of becoming, I, I think a little bit of a question here of, okay, they have a lot of top flight players and a lot of them have earned big contracts for themselves, but now it becomes replenishing that depth, which made them such a force. I would, I would say primarily on defense last year, and in previous years, they have been able to, you know, kind of, I don't want to say find scraps, but find players that they can, with the rest of those stars, turn into valuable and effective players. And, I mean, it kind of touched on it. I believe it starts in the draft, but I think it also is a is a position where the 49ers have so much money tied up in these big boys, and they're going to have even more, more money tied up in Nick Bosa, um, that... I, I kind of do question if they are a little too top heavy, so to speak. I don't know if they can fault themselves for that, but I think that that's the way I'm beginning to look at them more as we move on. They are pretty top heavy. You're right. Uh, I mean, a major- you look at some of the the cap numbers and the cap hits. I mean, a gigantic percentage. I don't have the numbers in front of me exactly, but a gigantic percentage of the team's cap is dedicated to like five or six players. Um, now, I'd rather have that than not have those five or six players because they those players deserve the money that they're making. They are insanely good. I mean, we've talked about it a lot. The Niners have a top five player uh, at the worst, you know, in every position, basically, other than quarterback and, you know, maybe safety and potentially cornerback. Like, almost everywhere else, they have one of the best players in that position in the entire NFL. And when you have that kind of talent, they're going to make a lot of money and then you're not going to have a ton of space elsewhere. So the reality is, yes, the Niners are relatively top heavy. Um, But it's something that I, that I said earlier, earlier in this episode that we can dive into a little bit more. Um, They have done a good job of identifying who is worth that big money. And they haven't really had an issue letting others walk. And when they have let others walk, Evan, um, I don't remember many of those guys going out and having fantastic careers, fantastic seasons elsewhere that that make Niner fans feel, man, if we just held on to that guy. Of course, there are examples. DeForest Buckner is the first one that comes to mind for me. He hasn't been an all-pro with the Colts, but he's still good. And, And that was a trade for the 49ers, not even a decision not to not to you know sign him as a free agent of course it, it was a decision to not give him the money later on that was a trade for the 49ers but still they have done a, a relatively good job identifying the guys that deserve that big money and you know while it's been frustrating at times they have generally made the right decisions on letting certain guys go so while they are top heavy it certainly constricts what you're able to do throughout the rest of your offseason I think the Niners have shown all of us 
that one, they've planned for this. I mean, they knew that the Debo Samuel extension was coming. They know that the Nick Bosa extension is coming. They have room for all of those things. And when was the last time a player that was a 49er that they couldn't afford, that they decided to let go, made waves elsewhere? It, it hasn't really happened all that much. Yeah, I, I think the first thing you mentioned is is what stands out in my mind and why I feel okay with this being a top-heavy team is the fact that if you look around at the running back position, the wide receiver position, left tackle, defensive line, linebacking core, you could even make a case at the safety spot. You have top five guys in the league, certainly in the NFC, at all of those positions. And that is also the, a byproduct of having a quarterback on a rookie deal yep. or having two of them in this case because you are allowed to spend that money elsewhere. Like Nick Bosa is going to be making quarterback money. Lamar Jackson got non-exclusive tagged for $32.5 million, <laughs> at least at this point. Nick Bosa is going to be making $30 million plus on his next deal per year. Like he is going to be making that amount of money that could go to a signal caller. So the 49ers right now have, I think, a lot of star power, but it isn't, like you mentioned, it isn't hollow star, star power. Mm. So I, I think that the 49ers are in a position now where they are okay with handing out these contracts because, well, number one, they've none of them have really turned on their own face. Uh, but two, when you're in win-now mode, you have to pay. You have to pay premium prices, and you also have to be all right with uh, kind of leaning in to whatever, um, I guess I want to call it, you know, philosophy that you have. And Kyle Shanahan is building it around a, a young quarterback, and building it around a ton of players that can beat you from five yards or within the line of scrimmage on offense and beat you at the line of scrimmage on defense. So to me, it, it, it comes down to what you believe in as a coaching staff and as an organization, and then leaning all the way in and making those smart choices after, which I think the 49ers have done so far. I am curious to see if there's any regression from some of those big contracts as these guys begin to get a little bit older. Even looking at, you know, George Kittle, looking at um, Fred Warner, guys that are moving into their later 20s and towards, you know, kind of the ends of these big contracts. And also a guy like Trent Williams, who, of yeah. course, every single year we wonder whether or not he's going to retire or not, but continues to play at a high level. If these guys regress at all, if your stars, if your top five players regress at all, that does highlight the lack of depth on your team. That's the only area I see of potential concern for the 49ers moving forward. Yeah, that's certainly a worry. I think the other thing is when you have a roster built like this with all of these stars and with a bunch of your money tied up in five, six, seven players, what it does, Evan, is it really challenges you know, how you build the back end of your roster. And it means you have to hit on some relatively unknown players, whether it is in the draft. It's, you know, drafting a George Kittle in the fifth round. Now, of course, he's making money now, uh, but when they first drafted him, he was still really good, and he was on a rookie contract. It's finding a Brock Purdy in the seventh round. Um, it's, you know, identifying Fred Warner, who quickly became one of the best linebackers in the NFL out of the draft. And then it's like we talked about earlier with some of the guys on the defensive line that left. It's acquiring a Charles O'Menehue from the, the Texans in a transaction that 
no one even really noticed. And he ended up having really big moments for the 49ers. It's those sorts of things. So having all these stars and this incredible collection of talent is fantastic because you know that you have really great players on your roster, but it makes how you fill out the back end of your roster. And you're talking about the depth, how you find that depth. It makes it that much more difficult because you just don't have as many resources as other teams have. And the Niners, they have to be really good at that. Otherwise, they won't survive an NFL season because they're bound to deal with injuries. Maybe not as bad as it was last year, at least specifically in the quarterback position. You at least hope that, knock on wood. Um, But you're not going to get through an NFL season without dealing with injuries at a handful of places. So this type of roster that the Niners have, it means you have to hit on, you know, the back end of the roster guys um, that other teams, you know, maybe are filling with better, more well-known, a little more expensive players. The Niners don't quite have that luxury. So it really challenges the roster construction at the end, the back end of your roster. And the Niners have proven to be pretty good at that, but they're going to have to do it again. Yeah, and also one, one thing that I saw on on Twitter, Nick Wagner of ESPN talking about how you know, sort of the cap plays into this. And the 49ers have a little bit more money than than the pre-pandemic and, and even during the pandemic to yeah. spend on their own guys. But of course, that also means that other teams have a lot more money to spend on your guys and your free agents. So that's a reason why I think we're probably also seeing some guys leaving, but also why the 49ers are able to give money um, to their own players, to their own stars, and to be able to retain them. And so I, I do think there is to your point, sort of a a bright future in the sense of if you do hit on those draft picks, the 49ers have shown that they give money properly to those guys. So this year, if one of the 11 picks that's coming up in the draft hits, there is a good chance that that guy is going to be an impactful 49er for a very long time. I don't know if you can say that necessarily about other franchises who haven't shown as much, I guess, financial literacy I don't know like like have not been able to you know properly uh dole out those contracts so I mean I I feel confident Mark that this draft number one the 49ers have done a pretty good job and we'll dig more into this as we move towards the draft but I've done a pretty good job of hitting on those late round guys um but then also identifying who they need to retain and it doesn't necessarily doesn't necessarily matter where you were taken in the draft also um, just because you're a first-round pick, Javon Kinlaw is, is probably not going to be a part of the team for very much longer. Um, just because you are a fifth-round pick doesn't mean that you can't get the largest tight end contract in history. Just because you were a third-round pick doesn't mean you can't get paid like a top-flight linebacker. Um, so the 49ers, I think, also because of the, the cap jumping, will have, hopefully, maybe not this offseason, but in the future, um, a little more financial flexibility. Yeah, you're probably right. I mean, the I know that the uh, the pandemic was really difficult for the 49ers and, and really for everyone in the NFL because the expected jump in the cap and, and the money was expected to go up and then suddenly it just took a dive and everyone had to adjust and figure things out on the fly. But but now everything's recovered and, and the cap is going up again. Uh, so the Niners, along with you know everyone else in the NFL, got through that kind of rough period. And now I think the the plan, you know, has resumed. And and I mean, this has been a long-term thing for the 49ers. The second that they drafted Nick Bosa, 
they were planning and hoping that he deserved a, the gigantic extension that he's likely to get later on this offseason. So it's been years in the making this offseason has. It's not like this crazy do or die. If they don't hit everything, they're going to be terrible offseason. But this is a plan that has been years in the making. Um, so the idea that they're figuring this out as they're going, and I'm not saying that you're implying that at all, but it's just sometimes the idea that we get as fans, like, oh, what are they doing this offseason? They're letting all this talent know. Like, this has been well thought out for years, like literal years. This has been on their board figuring out how the 2023 offseason was going to go. Uh, and they haven't given me much of a reason to think that they're going to screw things up in a major way. Uh, so in, in, until they, they prove me wrong there, I'll, I'll, I think I'll have some faith in that there. But uh, you're right. I mean, this is this is a big offseason, and they're, and they're going to need to hit in a few places where maybe you weren't expecting some hits. Well, we move closer to a, a literal year of the 415ers, of course, as we hey. started last season. So, hey, Coming up on 365 days, not too <laughs> far away, Mark. Uh, it's been a lot of fun in our first offseason doing this podcast on the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network. Uh, that'll wrap it up for this episode. We appreciate you tuning in, as always, two times a week in the offseason. And uh, we'll talk to you next Tuesday. We appreciate you. Hope that the Niners are able to make some moves in the meantime. And uh, we'll certainly keep an eye out, as we hope you do, too, for the next episode. Uh, appreciate you. We'll talk to you next time.